Katie Bennett-Stenton, a senior B2B marketer with 20 years experience across the UK, United States and Asia Pacific. I recently returned from three exciting months with Deloitte in Chicago, where I put my kids into school and finalised their US citizenship. During that time, I was delighted to have the opportunity to spend time with a number of global experts. Throughout that period, I interviewed a range of thought leaders and shared their thought-provoking, relevant and influential takeaways weekly. Now that I'm back in Melbourne, the Katie Talks conversation with influencers continues. Today, I'm delighted to be speaking with Rob Steers, Head of Digital and a partner at Step Change. Rob, welcome and perhaps you could give a little more colour as to your background, please. Thank you very much for having me. It's uh, great to be able to talk to you. Uh, yes, my background is diverse. You know, my parents ran a restaurant. My dad was a mechanic. Uh, I grew up when the internet was growing up. Uh, I think I built up my first website in the uh, mid '90s, and it was <laughs> and it was horrible, uh, but it got me a gig uh, over the millennial 1999-2000 period, and then uh, came to Australia from the UK. And I built a social media website, my own social media website in about 2002. And once again, it was equally horrible. And uh, <laughs> I really wish that I could resurrect it because it's such a, a good idea about bringing sports people together to, to share. Uh, but unless I have a significant amount of time or money on my hands, that is not likely to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Well, thank you. I'm really, really delighted to be uh, to be chatting with you today. No problem. And, and I guess the other element of your your background was the um, the few years that we worked together at Deloitte in Australia. So yeah, yes, and that was that was great. I really did enjoy uh, working with you and working at Deloitte. I think I learned a lot um, working with you on social media. So thank you. Ah, no, thank you. So Rob. Your professional focus is social media, and I've benefited from your deep expertise considerably. Why is it something that you're so passionate about? Uh, it, it's one-to-one, -one and it's great to be in touch with people. And I think uh, for all its flaws and all of its benefits, really fundamentally, it's about people connecting with each other. And I think brands, brands can use that well and poorly as well. And I'm passionate about it because I think uh, it's probably a marketer's dream in terms of that genuine connection and communication with uh, the market and their customers and so on. Hmm. I like it. Talking about cultivating personal brand and eminence, that's that's something that you and I are both passionate about. Yes. What impact can social media have on our personal brands? Uh, that's, that's a great question. I think it's you become more of a reflection of the things that are around you, if I can put it that way. So if you look at people would say, oh, my personal brand is this and I define it as that. But actually, you can see it as things that you share and the way that you act and, and how you behave on social media. So, again, for, for the good and the bad, you know, people commenting and sharing racist things, things that go against what they would project as their personal brand. You know, it actually you fundamentally become a reflection of what your personal brand actually is rather than uh, what you think it is uh, and I think that's again the power of that social media and the blurring of personal and, and business worlds and, and lines and I think you know that with social media purveying and being everywhere on your TV and on your Alexa in the corner of your room on your phone uh, I think it's eventually it's just going to be 
you know, it's like some Black Mirror episode where there is no <laughs> distinction between who we are and our personal brand and, and social media. I think it's I think it's just going to be in, inextricably linked. It's interesting. I mean, we're, we're I guess, almost every day seeing examples of that that blurring of, of personal and professional lines. Do you what what's your view on on how positive or, or negative that is. I mean, it, it has certainly gotten some people into all sorts of strife, you know, looking at the um, the the college scandal of a whole mm. lot of wealthy and yes. influential people in the States recently, um, you know, some very, very senior people looking at, well, looking after an in inverted college, commas their kids um mm. you know in arguably a profet the professional realm of their life is is going to impact really heavily on on their professional but talk talk me through a bit more about your your views on that blurring and whether that's a good thing or not uh i think it is a good thing maybe i'm a bit too optimistic i think it's a good thing uh, and ultimately, I think it's something along the lines of, you know, we get the social media that we deserve uh, and, and we probably deserve, you know, this. some people deserve this transparency. Now, of course, people who are, who are very clever will manipulate it, you know, almost perfectly mm. uh, because it's because it is that easy to manipulate. And we've definitely seen that. Uh, but I think that generally we we've got this sort of we're getting the newspapers and the news that we deserve and we're getting the social media and the, the and the platforms that we deserve. And I think it is, I think they are positive things. Uh, I think that they are being misused and that is negative. And I think that social media companies have too much power in some regards and it's being abused and that is overwhelmingly negative. But I think in terms of a society and the progress that we're making, sometimes you have to go through a downward dip in order to come up the other side and say, well, we have to, put a stop to that um yeah but like i said i'm an optimist well and and i think far better to, in life to be an optimist than um, <laughs> the alternative yeah, that's right that's right it'd be a pretty dull podcast if i was just sitting here going it's all over it's dead bad yeah. it's risk risky yeah, it's terrible. yeah yeah, yeah so, exactly. so rob getting into that that social license element i think is something that we're reading a whole lot more about and you know, is becoming an ever stronger theme in, in the media in the current climate, you know, from the recent Royal Commission, uh, increasingly part of the dialogue in the mining power utilities, oil and gas industry that um, that, that I focus on professionally. Uh, you know, following that along, um, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg and other social media have, have certainly not been immune to this. How should social media organisations and I guess social media more generally stay relevant and maintain their social license? Uh, I like to think that they will have to maintain relevancy, otherwise it'll be taken away from them. Uh, I've heard of increasing number of platforms that effectively are decentralised and there's various case studies of, of countries uh, even one in the centre of Congo, they ran their entire lex elections on a decentralised platform uh, that allow people to vote remotely. You know, if it can happen there, it can happen anywhere. And I think that the, that they need to maintain relevancy because those platforms are going to come along and people will just move off of Facebook. You know, it won't be your grandma sharing pictures of you anymore. It'll be nobody. Hmm. Uh, and I think that that's why they need to change. I think that they should, uh, they need to eff effectively get out of bed with the the data and the 
advertising players and find a way to get back to why Facebook was created in the first place, which is for people to share stories and, you know, and potentially reduce the amount of money they make. That's, that's effectively what it'll be. Otherwise someone will take it away from them. Uh, you know, even things like Uber and some of those other platforms centrally are being decentralized. So uh, I think that they need to, there's a couple of things they need to do. I think they need to bring more of the people who are using the platform into having a say how the platform is run. They need to be increasingly transparent about where the money is coming from. Um, and I think they are doing this. I think they are trying to, to move in that direction. It's been too long moving in one direction. Now they've got to come the other way. And I think recently with the, um, you know, the horrific images from Christchurch, Facebook published a report on how they handled it, you know, and that's, that's starting to show how they can uh, try to get some of that social license back. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting when you were talking earlier about social media predominantly being, um, uh, you know, for um, advocating and and contributing to the greater good. I, I my mind was going to um, the, the the horrific news out of out of Christchurch with, um, you know, the manifesto and live streaming of the awful things that happened. And I was I was trying to formulate a question yeah. um, around that when when you were talking and and didn't didn't quite come up with something, but that. Yeah, there there are certainly a huge number of changes that that are coming. I, I think on that front, mm. do 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 you have confidence given the amount of of might and the you know the data organisations mm. that Facebook and the like are in are in bed with? Do do you feel optimistic that they will be able to decentralise and re-establish some social license to operate? Uh, well, let's if we're specifically talking about those platforms, maybe not. Mm. Uh, but but I think social media uh, would and does. Uh, you know, and the thing I think the thing about the 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 images and how they were distributed, you know, it just seems that well, fa Facebook was the method method that that person used. But I just I feel like it could have been any other method, maybe sure. with the exception of, you know, even TV, you know, in the, in the days of the OJ Simpson's car chase, you know, they yeah. stream that live. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, I think that people pointing at saying, well, this is the evil of social media don't really understand the history of humanity and how these people want to publicize their, their, um, you know, what they do. Uh, I think that, you know, that's not really Facebook's fault that that, that 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 happened and they seem to have worked quite hard to try to take all those images down. I think in the future they'll need to keep doing much, much more than that. But if they don't, I think that there'll be another platform that will come along. Mm. You know, there are fledgling platforms starting to, you know, kind of nip in around the edges. It'll just be about whether or not Facebook decides to buy those platforms or not, yeah. whether or not they stay independent. Yeah. Uh, but yes. But but I mean I, yeah I think I do think you make a good point that if uh, if if not Facebook another will will surely come in and take its place. Yeah yeah, yeah. There'll, there'll be something. I mean you know there was before YouTube there was twenty video sharing sites. You know uh, yes. before before Facebook there were social platforms, and, and there'll be more in the future I'm sure. Yeah yeah. Rob, you were my social oracle <laughs> for my first few years at Deloitte, and we did some really interesting work together. Um, some of which I I still emulate and still talk to to others about. I'm keen to understand in a little bit more detail how your thoughts about how social media is evolving. Uh, I think I think this one, 
you know, sort of feeds feeds into what's coming next over the horizon and, you know, how are we going to get there? Uh, and I, th- I mean, my personal view is I think that there's going to be a much more personal control, personal uh, social platforms and probably in the next three to five years. Okay. Uh, there's been a few platforms that have risen up in the last couple of years and they're still just too junior, too small really to, to talk about, but they they give you individual control over sharing and connections and, you know, you own everything about you and, and that data. And really it is that decentralized platform uh, with, you know, ma- uh, many different ways to connect and there, no one really owns it. And I think that's what it'll be for, for people is similar to the old, you know, personal website type thing, but this will be your own personal connection into a social network. Uh, and it'll and effectively be maybe in 10 years time, it'll be a key that lets you into, uh, you know, anything into including containing your identification, but it'll sit on your phone and it'll do oh. all those things at the same time. That's interesting. So is, is the is the key component there to what you see is coming over the horizon that that you maintain ownership of your data and content as distinct from it becoming owned by the platform that you're to post on? I think so. Okay. I, th- I think so because if you look at the wave of adoption of how these technologies b- become mainstream, it's usually at the cu- cutting edge or the fringe of people who are tech savvy, you know, adopting it first. And mm-hmm. people who have been leaving Facebook and Instagram are all those sort of tech savvy millennials, if you want to use that term. Yeah. And I think they're going to adopt a platform like that that allows them to just have complete control. You know, what WhatsApp was interesting for people because it was completely secure encryption mm. and nobody could share it until, you know, Facebook bought it. That's why people used it. Yeah. And I think there'll be something like that that'll be fully decentralized. Yeah. And, and, and people will use it because they can control everything about that data. I like I like that. Um, yeah, I like that analogy or that that example. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and there's a few other platforms where they're you know used for different means, but the the messages are deleted after a period of time and all of that sort of thing. I think that's what people want from a platform. Yes. Uh, so I think that that's where it'll go, and and what will make it social is you'll be able to manage your contacts and share images and do do all the things you can do on Facebook. You know, say you're going to an event, share information about that event, but it'll all be contained. You know, look, hey, it's probably going to be on the blockchain. Let's face it, everything else seems to be heading <laughs> yep. that way. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay, I like it. Do Do you have any specific predictions about platforms, or is is that shall Shall we check back in and at, at some time in the future on that front? Yeah, let's check back in and something like that front. You know, this maybe you're probably starting to get at my own existential um, theories around things. I always think that the rules stay the same just the method changes yeah and i'm sure that there'll be just another way that your tv will suddenly become the center of everyone's lounge room again or something like that what what's old is new yeah i think that tends to be the cycle i like it rob in a rather sassy manner your linkedin profile prompts readers to ask you about how politicians rank socially even if you don't mention the current crazy incumbent in the White House, I'm really, really keen to hear you talk a little bit about on this top. A little bit. Of, let me try that again. I'm really interested to hear you talk a bit more on this topic. Yeah. So that I built this bit of code a while ago that allowed you to see all the politicians' social profiles and how much they shared and how well that was shared and then a sentiment against that sharing. So was it was it a positive share or a negative one? And you could then see 
okay, how much are politicians influencing social narrative by by posting, you know, their thoughts? And and it's not complicated to to work out how that something like yeah. that would work. And uh, it was interesting because it was relatively predictive. The first time I built it, it showed that uh, Julia Gillard was exceeding Kevin Rudd in social reach, and then not long after she toppled him. So I wonder if there's something. I wonder if there's something more to that. Uh, I think, again, it just comes back to that narrative within the community and how much is that controlled through social media. And I think that you can use tools like that to see, uh, well, you know, are particular politicians and using their own, driving their own narrative well, or, or are they driving it badly? Uh, and, and how much does that impact it? Because we've seen, you know, in elections, they've shown how Facebook feeds have been manipulated by sharing or mm -hmm. other, means, other yeah. means, and how much people see those messages and interact with them can dictate how much they think about things. So I think tracking that in the future, you know, could be an interesting way to look at changes in elections or even changes to policy because how much is a politician actually sharing or liking or commenting yep. around a particular social issue. That sounds really interesting. So is that a is that a tool that you're using at the moment? I, I it's like a lot of the different things that I've created. <laughs> it's uh, collecting dust on a hard drive somewhere. But well, I, I mean, I've got the theory. So maybe I wheel it out again in time for our the next Australian election. And yeah. Well, that sounds really interesting. Oh, there's a there's a big election coming up in the US next year. Maybe maybe yes. that's how you um you make your millions, Rob. Yeah, that's right. Maybe I'll be like a rather poor imitation of five thirty eight or something like that, basically <laughs> around yeah. likes and tweets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like it. Well, don't don't forget your friends when you um no, when you become well, rich and famous. <laughs> Rob, do you think social media can be used as a tool for selling, or are you more in the camp that this is just a myth? promoted by the social networks that is an interesting question i think i think it does depend there are some markets where we've seen uh, for our clients anyway that social media is a critical tool for selling mm -hmm. some b2c brands have used it for co corporate journalism which something like Maersk is a big case study around that uh, there are some that use it for direct consumer sales using Facebook as a marketplace. And we can see that that works uh, because of the types of people using it. Uh, but I don't think that it's for everybody. And I think that especially if you look at B2B brands, you have to wonder how much time and effort they invest in particular social channels versus, versus the return. Uh, now, I know obviously you and I have seen where uh, career you know, co corporate careers, that, that sort of thing, HR recruitment on social media works quite well. Yeah. You know, the, the, um, that ele element of a brand, but the, I just don't know that it's for everybody yet and maybe it never will be. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that it's, can, I think it can be a vanity thing for some brands to be active on LinkedIn, but there are some areas where it is critical and we have seen it work and there is you know, a great channel to market that way. Okay, so more to to crudely summarise, you see more applicability in the B two C world than B two B. Generally, obviously, yeah. that's a big brush to to but paint it is, it with. Is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I you know, on LinkedIn, there's I get so many requests from people who want to sell me something that, and I know that that's a sample size of one, but I think mm. that most people seem to give that feedback. We have used LinkedIn really well for content and driving. Uh, 
sort of interest for a brand. But if you want to look at the ROI, I think the jury might well still be out on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, okay. How do you think it's – I'm interested to understand – how what your view is in terms of how wary people are about the way that their data is used um, by by on the, in the social media realm is that mm. is that is that paranoia is that is that a relevant um, concern that people have? I think I think people are wary about the wrong things. From the amount of times people spend discussing certain topics around social media they just i think the general public just have no idea about what things that they should should actually care about and that sounds so horrible when i say that out loud but but the number of conversations i say hear about people saying oh you know my phone must be listening to me because i'm getting really targeted ads now and and i think well that phone may well be listening to you maybe not it's probably just predicted behaviors and you know you're interested in a topic but the fact that it's serving you specific advertising is should be the least of your worries in terms of how social media are using your data uh you know cambridge analytica was the was the small tip of the overall iceberg in terms of uh how people's news feeds are being manipulated based on what facebook know about them uh you know what they see what they don't see and i think also how much of that data is packaged up and sold off uh, in ways that you can't even imagine mm -hmm. to, to, to companies that use it to figure out more about you. Um, the other part of that is how open and how open you have made your social network. So suddenly your identity can easily be stolen. Sure. Uh, and people, people, if people spend as much time worrying about their password strength as they did about their ads that were targeting them, maybe people's identities wouldn't be stolen. You know. So I just think that people worry about the wrong elements of um, social media and data so are password strengths more along the lines of what the general public should be worrying about uh, well, <laughs> yeah maybe that sounds a little pointy when you put it put it like that uh i think their overall security and what they post about themselves and, and their social profile is what they should be worried about not how the social networks are using using okay. the data uh you know i think they should just be more aware you know it's like in my nan wouldn't let my parents have an Alexa in the house because they, because she was like it's listening to us all the time, you know. And from a from the, the you know being grown up in the 30s when governments used to you know yeah. inverted commas <laughs> listen to their people, right? Yeah. And then suddenly we've just allowed that to happen uh, wholesale. Now we post everything about ourselves. I think just people being a bit more wary about the things that they post about, or or not, or or post everything and then not be surprised when. Uh when something happens mm. okay that i reckon that's a topic for a for a whole other podcast I, probably I many many questions i'd like to ask you on that front but um we, we might do another one around uh security i think yeah maybe oh, yeah idea. okay i like it rob is there any one thing that you'd change about the business environment of today uh that's a good question i think i would change how we look at developing people uh, and i know that's off topic to social media but i think okay. I, I think it's something that i believe in discussions i still get discussions with from comments from ceos saying if i develop my people they'll just leave and go somewhere you know and get paid better and i feel like it's just totally the wrong lens to be looking at i think richard branson's got a good comment on that front doesn't he 
um, develop them well develop them so that yes, that's right yeah, so so that they are highly employable elsewhere but treat them treat them well, well so they won't want to go elsewhere yeah correct, correct. yeah I, I think that's true but i think that's definitely true and maybe people might might even believe that you know and say it out loud but i think it's sort of looking at that cost of development and giving people the opportunity to grow just too many businesses that i've seen uh don't want to do that or you know or, or alternatively they want to hire only fully trained and highly skilled people without looking at their pipeline of um, new talent okay uh, uh, and so yeah that's that'd be a big thing i'd change yeah absolutely rob do you learn more from success or failure <laughs> i think you learn a lot more from failure i think it depends on the character that you have uh in terms of the introspection around why you failed but i definitely believe there's a lot more to be learned from failure uh that being said obviously you need a lot of success in order to be successful so there's one thing to be a pariah or whatever the word is but yeah i think you need to you need a lot of failure and you need to learn from it uh, another way to look at this is something i heard the other day you know which is effectively as as you go through your career and go through life the, the failures become bigger uh, and they become harder to surmount and, and the reason is that as you grow of course the things that are failures have to grow too because as you look back over your career 10 years ago something that was a failure for you then would be nothing it'd be day-to-day -day for you now okay uh so yeah that's an interesting perspective i think i think um rob what does nirvana look like in your career i think mm, that is again a difficult question because for me i just i feel feel a bit freer in terms of walking around and just going into where whatever takes me next i don't think i've ever really planned more than a few years ahead of where i am mm -hmm. uh, and i tend to just sort of try to keep growing and, and keep growing into the next thing and into the next thing uh you know and i've often thought about running companies and being heads of marketing but but for now i'd say if i could keep and this is very going to sound very cliched saying it out loud but if i could keep growing and keep learning every single day that would that would be fine by me no, oh, I like that. I don't know that you necessarily need to have a blueprint as to how the rest of your career is going to turn out. No, no. <laughs> and Rob, just in closing, what is the best piece of business advice that you have ever been given? I think, yes, the best piece of advice was probably from my grandfather because he said something to the effect of, when you're doing really well, at some point you have to decide when you want to get off that particular roller coaster. Okay. Uh, and then give somebody else a turn on that particular roller coaster. So I think some people hang on too long and some people quit too soon. But I think, you know, be determined until you start to succeed and then figure out who's going to take your place is probably how I would summarise that. I like that. And that also goes back to your, your comments um, earlier about looking at the growth and development of, of people and giving them opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. I like it. Well, Rob, thank you very much for your time today. I, I think it's been it's been really interesting. We've we've covered a number of, of great topics. I've appreciated your insights and um, I'm I'm really confident that listeners are going to in, enjoy them as well. I hope so. And hopefully they'll comment and let us know what they think. Yes, most certainly.
Thanks, Very Rob. Good. Thanks, Thanks for, Katie. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Katie Talks podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review me on iTunes to help others find this great content. I have some excellent leaders coming up in the series. Subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And I love feedback from listeners. You can find me at Katie B Marketing on Twitter or Katie Bennett Stanton on LinkedIn.